you know what? You're absolutely out of control right now. You need to be medicated with a tranquilizer dart. Welcome to Obsessed with Disappeared, the podcast where Ellen Marsh and I tell the stories of missing people by recapping the episode that covered their case on ID's Disappeared. Hi, girl. Oh, hi. <laughs> what, why don't you just introduce me as your partner who knows nothing? Before we started, I gave Ellen a true crime quiz because unlike the ocean, it turns out that her knowledge of true crime stuff is not vast. The forensics expert from the Jean Benet Ramsey case? <laughs> Wait, 9,000 people just tweeted out Werner Spitz. You know what? I Honestly, I am unable to even with you right now. I am unable to even. Could you even yourself out enough to tell the people about the Facebook group? <sighs> you know what? Yes, I will be kicking Patrick out of the Facebook group today so that we can have some alone time. You can come back in a week once you've gone in the corner and thought about what you've done. Come join our Facebook group. It's a laugh and a half. Facebook group, Obsessed with Disappeared podcast discussion group. It's super fun. Actually, wait, did you see the quiz that someone made? Yes. But they said, are you Patrick, Steve, Jillian, Ellen, or Daisy, Daisy Speedy? Speedy? I literally wrote, if you are Daisy Speedy, you're out of the group. For those of you who don't know, Daisy Speedy is Patrick's daughter's Daisy's hamster. Yeah. Also, join our Instagram. It's The Disappeared Pod. Every Friday night, 6 p.m., we go live. We hang out. We try to be nice to each other. Usually Daisy brings her hamster. It is very cute. You make me all warm and fuzzy. However, this case has me filled with rage in which I am not prepared to deal with at this moment. And I'm also a little bit hungry. So best of luck to you. you guys it's season two episode two it's the beauty queen the case of tara grinstead a small town beauty queen loved by all if you were ever tara's friend you would be her friend for life vanishes under baffling circumstances there can be an abduction with no indication of a struggle she gave me the impression that he had like he was not his self he claimed that he was a serial killer a massive police investigation thrusts a tiny town into the national spotlight. There was a latex glove. There's all kinds of reasons why people kill others. I've been involved in some major investigations, but this one has had more twists and turns. It's worse than death. Death is final. Someone vanishing, it's not final until you find them. Can we talk about the title? It's The Beauty Queen Mystery. I know. Like, they, did, they really worked overtime on that title. Yes, she's a beauty queen, and yes, it's a mystery. Just call it The Beauty Queen Mystery at 6 o'clock. They really did not dig deep on that one. Do you think that we would be here if she wasn't in pageants? Tell me the honest truth. I mean, she's a white lady, so maybe, but the yeah. fact that it's a, yeah, you know. I'm going to stop making fun of you for not being, like, up on the true crime. Everyone knows about this case. Everyone knows what happened. Do you know that there are updates as of July 20th, 2020? July 20th, as in, like, last month? Yeah. No. Okay, great. So here's what happened. For those of you who are like Ellen and are not up on all of this stuff, Payne Lindsay made a podcast called Up and Vanish about Tara Grinson it became very popular right around the time there's a lot of movement in the case and we'll get to the outcome later but this episode of Disappeared was made before all of that. Could I just talk about really quickly something that happened in the intro? They say that she disappeared under baffling circumstances. (laughs) 
And I was like, is anybody's disappearance not baffling? Like, I just want them to be like, she disappeared under very straightforward circumstances. (laughs) She... She disappeared under totally conspicuous circumstances. <laughs> like, sometimes it's like they're not even trying. I... <laughs> she disappeared under totally understandable circumstances. <laughs> Sorry, that just gets me sometimes. <laughs> Christopher. Christopher's the announcer, you guys. You're going to hear us call him out by name. He's no longer just the narrator. On the day she disappears... High school teacher Tara Grinstead spends the afternoon with some of her students. They're preparing for the Miss Georgia Sweet Potato Pageant, a big event in a small, close-knit town like Osceola, Georgia. We learned that the day Tara Grinstead disappears, she spends the day with some students preparing for what is being called the Miss Georgia Sweet Potato Pageant. <laughs> I, I know, there's something like ridiculously <laughs> medieval about that. But like the Sweet Potato Pageant, it's a pageant where I feel like I might have a chance. Yeah. <laughs> He's just a cute little sweet potato. You win, honey. You sweet potato. He's a he's a little girly for a boy, but uh, he'll be okay. On that Saturday, Tara had helped a lot of the girls prepare for the pageant. She had done their hair and their makeup. A lot of them borrowed her dresses as well. We learned that a lot of them borrowed her dresses, to which I'm like, how many dresses did she have? Look, we are going to get intimately acquainted with the inside of her bedroom, and I'm going to, I've got a lot to say when we get there. Yeah, same. But like, this is a whole way of life I don't get. It's like the pageant life. So quickly, tangent, what is your take on pageants what's your on what's your take (laughs) that was really hard for me that really what is your take on pageants (laughs) really struggled with that what's your take on what's your what's your take on pageants just real quick i mean i don't i don't know i mean like so we're gonna learn that tara does pageants to make money to go to college i think that's great most of what i know about pageants is from like jean benet ramsey and like crazy like reality shows on tlc where like parents are like living their dreams through their children and forcing them to grow up too quick and sexualizing little girls like and if you're in pageants and that's not really what it's like I'm just saying that's what it seems like to everybody right. else I don't like right. it okay. also can you ever imagine my my tomboy daughter like in pin girls like- Daisy would ju- <laughs> like if you were like Daisy I will give you a thousand hamsters if you do this and she's like Daisy's face y'all Daisy is as serious as they come she doesn't have time for your shit her no. and Kathy Daisy would just be like I, I you can't see this is this is not a visual medium but I mean like some meme where someone is pissed that would be Daisy even even for a thousand hamsters she's like I'm doing this for a thousand hamsters shut up get out of here Brittany I'm doing it for hamsters Ugh, my dad's promised me a thousand hamsters I hate them but I love hamsters That thing poops everywhere. It's all your the fault. Time. Nobody feels bad for you. Nobody feels bad for you. Anyway. Tara has been involved in beauty pageants since her high school years, but has her own agenda about the competitions. Pageanting was not for show and not for everybody to tell her she's beautiful. I never saw in her that winning a pageant was an ego thing. It was not about just the title of winning. 
It was always about accomplishing something. Tara really seems like a fucking awesome girl. She doesn't want to be told she's pretty. She does it for like the self-confidence. Also like to pay for school. Like we're going to learn she's a teacher, but she wants to be a high school principal someday. Girl, that is a calling. Right, but she, so she got a BA in education. She was going for her PhD in education, still wanting to be a high school principal. I mean, who knew the educational requirements for like telling kids what to do? Had I known Sister Barbara, my principal of my elementary school, who had a PhD in telling my mom that I talked too much. You know what I mean? Oh, Sister Barbara had it in for me. Anyway. So it's October 22nd, 2005, 7 p.m. There's a thing in Georgia called the GBI, which is the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. It's like the FBI for Georgia. To which I say, like, we don't have an NBI. We don't have, like, a New York Bureau. Why does Georgia get one? They want to get shit done. I don't know. Not the point. Gary Rothwell, he's a special agent. Let me tell you what. There is nothing special about Gary, okay? (laughs) There is nowhere to go but up from here because I'm starting at a 10 and I'm going to range between a 10 and a 16. He is bad at his job. He has bad hair. He's got a bad tie. He's got bad choice of words. He clearly hates women. (laughs) All right, we'll get there. We'll get there. That Saturday night, a happy and relaxed Tara leaves the sweet potato pageant and heads over to a cookout attended by friends from school. Tara stayed at the cookout for about two hours and left at approximately 11 o'clock p.m., ostensibly to go home. Tara leaves the sweet potato pageant at 7 o'clock. She heads to a cookout. She stayed at the cookout for two hours and left to go home at 11 o'clock. To which I said, who stays up until 11 (laughs) o'clock? The rest of the world, Patrick. (laughs) Anyway, Tara lives alone. Her and her neighbors have this system where every, what? What's your question? I see your hand up. What? We, we've got to talk about the neighbor situation. Okay, the neighbor situation in Osceola is not okay. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. You do. You always mean to interrupt, but go on. Carry on. <laughs> the thing about it is that, like, Christopher, the narrator, tells us, like, it's normal. Christopher, again, girl, stop saying this shit like it's normal. Christopher tells us that in a small town like Osceola, Neighbors look out for each other. No, everybody in this town was obsessed with Tara Grinstead. Yeah. So there's this whole thing where Tara goes home and the neighbors apparently stay up all night until Tara gets home looking out their window and they don't feel like they can go to bed until Tara comes in and turns on the the light in her bedroom and that's the signal that she's home and everything's okay. And I said, does Tara know about this? That's not helpful. That's nosy as shit. (laughs) Get out my business. Get out my business. Especially, we're going to find out that Tara had quite a life. And good for her. And good for her. And we do not need the neighbors interfering in her business. Yeah. I don't like this. I I don't like this. You're already at a 10 too. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> She's a 30-year-old grown-ass woman. She doesn't need the neighbors looking into her window. I agree. And they, some help they were when they were looking in her window. Right. We'll get to that. <laughs> You really came to fight today. Those are, these are my favorite days with you. That system didn't work very well now, did it, neighbors? No. <laughs> the light in Tara's window never goes on. The next day, nobody sees Tara. No one is able to contact her, including her mother. And then the next day, nobody sees her. People are trying to call her. Her mom is calling her every five minutes. Like, she's not answering her phone. Her friend Maria is like, Sometimes people just want to be left alone. Can everyone leave Tara Grinstead alone for five minutes? The neighbors need to know when she's coming and going. The mom's calling her every five minutes. She's got to mentor these kids for the sweet potato pageant, then go to this cookout till 11 o'clock at night. Guys, she's exhausted. (laughs) She's in night school. Leave her. Give her five minutes. She's got things to do, and she doesn't need to check in with you or anybody else. Neighbors, mom, people of America. (laughs) On Monday morning, Tara doesn't show up to teach her classes at Irwin County High School. Friends and family know 
that something is very wrong. That was a red flag for me because I knew what a dedicated teacher Tara was. Monday, October 24th, Tara never shows up for school. So she's a high school teacher. She didn't get a substitute for the class. Obviously, they're like, this is very unlike her. I'm like, it's very unlike anybody. You know what I mean? She didn't tell anybody that she wasn't coming in. And so now everyone is freaking the hell out. Right. So we meet Bill Hancock from the police department and a friend calls and he gets to her house by 10 a.m. I know. 10 a.m. We're going to go find this missing person before John Spira's family can't get, you know, the the totally. wife to sign it over. Michelle McMullen's parents are counting down the days till the three days they have to wait. But goddamn it, a beauty queen is missing. Let's get to her house by 10 a.m. in the morning. There's a Georgia peach missing. Everyone in town is circled around. The neighbors are like, well, she hasn't come home. I didn't see the lights turn on. Well, I didn't see the lights turn on. So it's 10 Mm a.m. And we have an APB out for a Georgia peach. I'm just saying, I'm not not happy that they didn't take care of her. I'm just saying the disparity between all these cases are glaring. You know what else is glaring? The carport. Chief Hancock arrives at Tara's residence at approximately 10 a.m. on Monday. Her car is parked in its usual spot under the carport. I know we have bigger fish to fry, but what the fuck is a carport? (laughs) We do have bigger fish to fry. What the hell is a carport? Southern people will weigh in. Southern people. (laughs) So her car was there, and Gary says so astutely. The fact that her car was there and she wasn't meant that she probably left with someone. But, like, I'm kind of on their side. Like, it is kind of a weird thing that her car is there, but she's not there. Right, but if she probably left with someone, yeah, well, she didn't leave with her car. Right. Because <laughs> it's there. I, I Also, I'm just mad at Gary. I'm sorry. I need to control myself. They say that they go into her house and they say... Inside Dara's house, however, everything looks fairly normal. There was no sign of forcible entry. There was no clear indication that any kind of struggle had occurred inside. To which I say, it looks like that house has been ransacked and the walls kicked in, the clothes pulled out of the dresser, the bed turned over, like they brought clothing in from outside and scattered it around the house. (laughs) You guys, it is a disaster area. And like what they're saying is that this is just normal for Tara, which is fine. And I love it so much because she's so beautiful and so smart and so poised. But like on the, like like, that's what she's like as a person. Like that's what she presents to the world. But you go to her, her house and it's a fucking pigsty right and there there are like there's a curling iron and a blow dryer in the sink truly and then there's like there's clothes everywhere and the best part is that when you see like the the nightstand next to her bed there's just an open bottle of tums and i was like look if i was tara grinstead and everybody in my goddamn town wanted to know my business too i would need some some tummy medication yeah she has some indigestion anyway yes her place is a mess i am not judging her my place can be a mess everybody's place is a mess but the point is everything does not look normal and it looks like many things went on in this apartment not only a struggle it looks like anarchy it looks like it vietnam does. in that apartment right. <laughs> it is it's no judgment on her as a housekeeper it's a judgment on them saying nothing raised red flags it looked like somebody tried to pull her out of the house and she grabbed every last dress it looked crazy you guys take a look at the pictures <laughs> investigators locate more intriguing clues outside tara's house a business card is wedged into her front door They find something far more disturbing on the ground. They say a business card was wedged in her front door. We'll talk about that in a little bit. The main thing is they find outside, they find a latex glove. And Gary, my non-best friend, says... It certainly indicated to us that there was a strong likelihood that a crime had occurred. I'm pretty sure that's why we're here, (laughs) Gary! 
I hate him and his worst thing doesn't even come up. And then he said it would imply that whoever was using it was trying to avoid being detected. It's as if someone was like, hey, Gary, um, we have people who don't know what crimes are. Um, so could you start at the beginning for us? A bunch of four-year-olds are going to be watching this, so really be careful with your words. The clothes Tara was wearing on the night of October 22nd were on the floor in her bedroom, which indicated to us that she had indeed arrived home. Her bed appeared as if you know, possibly somebody had either slept in it or laid in it. So we also see that this, her cell phone was in the charger. And so it seems like she left the house with the intention of coming back. Like, whatever reason she left for, she didn't think was going to be long enough to, like, need her phone. Right. So now, okay, we go to commercial. We come back. It's been two days since anyone has seen Tara. They take the glove in for testing. And, like, this is when it really occurred to me. How bad of a kidnapper do you have to be to drop the glove? <laughs> the glove. You have to be OJ level bad to drop the fucking Glove. Yeah, didn't I was gonna say, didn't like OJ do yeah. that? So this is where we find out that the high school that she worked at had come together to make flyers. Very sweet. It is clear she is very loved. They paper the town, of course. The mom tells us that like the thing about this flyer was that it had her height, weight, hair color, and color of her eyes, to which I'm saying to you, girl, if I go missing. 20 pounds lighter, 20 pounds lighter. <laughs> I'm going to need you to go like a 60 pounds lighter at this point, girl, and Photoshop that shit so it's believable. Yeah, could you imagine? And I give you like cheekbones. <laughs> totally. And I like, yeah, I'm, they're like, I didn't know Patrick Hines had cheekbones. I'm like, just he, he, quarantine, quarantine. He was on a quarantine diet. <laughs> Yeah, you could actually go ahead and just let me be missing if you have to like publicize my weight. <laughs> just help Steve, help Steve raise Daisy, get rid of that hamster, and don't ever put my weight out into the world. I'm here for you. Thank you. Searching for clues, they delve deeply into Tara's background. You learn as much about the victim as you can. Their timeline, their propensities, their associates. They learn that Tara's circle of acquaintances was huge. From her second job at a department store makeup counter to the various campuses where she took graduate classes. So they begin looking into her life and they say obviously she had a lot of friends. She taught at a school. She also had some odd jobs. She was in pageants. So she had a very wide range of people in her life. Gary, <clears throat> here we go. What does Gary say that pisses me off? One guess. What? When did I leave my couch and elevate above myself? <laughs> what did Gary say? Just say it. I don't know. I don't remember. Tell me. Looking into Tara's personal life, they find a complex series of relationships with men. Tara was involved romantically with, with several different persons in a close period of time. Several men? <laughs> Within a close period of time, that was my first oh hell no. Yeah. And then it said... And she kept those relationships separate from one another. So head around this. Yeah, 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 yeah. She dated men. She got to know them because she's beautiful and smart and accomplished and she's trying to find a mate in this flaming trash can of a world we call life. <laughs> and she didn't tell the other dudes about the other dudes that she was dating and how many of the men that she was dating. I mean, this man mansplaining dating to me. I know. I'm like, oh, Gary, can you explain like taxes to me or like, you know, like the offsides rule to me? Like the slut shaming, the slut shaming. Like, I know. The, I, I, know. I almost turned it off. I, I was know. like, I am not I here. She is a woman. She can date who she wants. She can do what she wants. She can date 20 men at the same time in the same night and not tell any of them how 
dare you? <laughs> I know. So we did cover this case on True Crime Obsessed. We covered Payne's oxygen special about this. And so I remember this happening there too. Like the, the slut shaming of Tara Grinstead is really real. Also, not that I need to point it out, yeah. but if Tara were a man, that statement would not be in that documentary. No, I, of course. I don't need to point that out. Yeah. They'd be like, Joseph Josephsburg was a man's man. Right, he loved right. the ladies. Like, yeah. go fuck yourself. I anyway. <laughs> no, I know. And you would think too that like, like, he doesn't even try to couch the fact yeah. that he is, like, shocked and disappointed to learn that Tara had suitors. Off you fuck. <laughs> so then the police start looking into uh, what Gary would describe as one of Tara's many boyfriends. Investigators focus first on Tara's ex-boyfriend, Marcus Harper. Tara had a long-term romantic relationship with Marcus Harper. They had broken up. Approximately a year earlier, Tara had ended the relationship because she believed Marcus wasn't ready to get married. So the first of the men in Tara's life that the investigators focus on is her ex-boyfriend, Marcus Harper. We found out that they had broken up about a year before Tara went missing. We also learned that Tara had ended the relationship because she believed this Marcus guy wasn't ready to get married. To which I just said, yes, queen. Like, don't wait around. Go find your man. Go find your bliss. Tara Grinstead seemed like a very empowered woman. I love her. Right. And so something to say about Marcus was most of the family said Marcus was in the army. He he was first he was a police officer then he went away to the army he was lovely he was kind he was respectful he was accomplished and then Anita her sister was like no he was scary right. <laughs> Tara was a little bit afraid of him you know he's been an army ranger and the training that they have is just unbelievable like this sweet Georgia family was like, he was a lovely man. He loved Georgia peaches. Right. And like, they were so sweet. And that, and then Anita was like, my down bitch. She was like, no, don't be fooled. He was trained in combat. Yeah. He was scary. So the cops are like investigating all these different guys, right? And this other guy that they're investigating is this kid who had graduated from the high school where Tara taught the year before. He had been in her history class. And I don't know, like th this whole story has always given me a little bit of pause because it does seem like... Like, Tara had developed, a, at the very least, a friendship with him outside of the school. Right. And I think, you know, Tara was young, and I'm not saying that she had any sexual relationship with him at all. I don't know that at all. But it does seem like she was a good, big-hearted person who had, like, let this person a little bit more into her life than maybe she should have. And we don't know what the backstory of this is. But, like, one day, this kid shows up at her house demanding to talk to her. Months before Tara disappeared, he came to her house and tried to physically force his way inside. He wanted to speak to her, and uh, she didn't want to talk to him at that time, and she wouldn't let him in the house, and he became quite upset, loud, began yelling and, and banging on her door, trying to gain entry. She, like, opens the door, and he, like, grabs her, and she pulls away, and, like, the, the nosy neighbors call the cops. Nosy neighbors? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then, like, the cops show up and they say that like, we weren't able to get this kid to calm down even in the moment. So they arrested this kid. Right. She gave a statement. She gave a full account of the whole situation. She said she was scared and uncomfortable. P.S. It's never okay to put your hands on a woman. Right. So, obviously, he became a person of interest.
interest because of that altercation. Now, that altercation, that situation, thank God, didn't end in anything bad. But that was only a couple months before she went missing. To which I say, like, teenage boys and men of all ages, can we just not be like this? Can we just not be demanding and entitled and show up to women's houses, banging on their doors, demanding to talk to them? By not doing that, that's how you don't get blamed for people's murders. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, when, when you behave like this and then that person goes missing, of course they're going to think you did it crazy. I love you. Sorry. I, I love you. I do. I love you. I love you. I love your passion. But you can take it out of your lady voice. But my, my, okay, my point... <clears throat> my point is... If you just leave women alone who don't want to talk to you, you don't get blamed for their murders. That's all. That's actually a great just sort of like thesis statement, right? Just stop bugging women who don't want to talk to you. Yeah. And then you won't get blamed for their murders. I don't know. I have to put it back in my lady voice. I know. And women don't have to give you an answer why they don't want to talk to you. Nope. Oh, he also has an alibi. The other way that you don't get blamed for people's murders is by having a concrete alibi and not being the person who killed them. He was working at a job in Milledgeville, Georgia, about 100 miles away, and we immediately had an agent in that area find him. The former student is able to account for his time on the night that Tara disappeared. He was 100 miles away. They found him. They questioned him. He had an alibi. It was not him. We don't even get his name, obviously. And then my notes in this section ends with, but also just leave the women alone who don't want to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you and good night. Also, keep your hands off women. Right. (laughs) Also, hashtag me too. Right. Also, believe women. Also, believe survivors. Yes. Also, men just stop. Just everybody stop. Okay, I'm in a place. I apologize. Okay. (laughs) Meanwhile, investigators keep digging into Marcus Harper and his relationship with Tara. So the investigators are now back to looking at this relationship with Marcus Harper. He was like the vet who had been on the police force who she'd broken up with like a year before. We learned like the reason why they broke up is because he deployed to Afghanistan and she just like couldn't handle the separation. Like her sister says to us. She said she really could not stay in that kind of relationship because they go overseas and something bad happens happens to them. You know, you never find them. Nobody knows anything. They go overseas. Something happens to them and nobody ever finds them. She's talking about Marcus. And I said, oh, God, I don't think the sister understands the really morbid foreshadowing that just happened. Yeah. And also, I was like, woof, way to bring down a room, Anita. I I mean, that was. (laughs) I know. Yeah. But like the bottom line is like, look, my sister's in the military. I understand like a military relationship isn't for everybody, especially like he was in the Rangers. Like his job is really dangerous. And who knows how long he's going to be gone. So they, they break up. And then I have the timeline of what happens next is confusing to me. So I'm going to need you to I'm going to need you to walk me through it. I am smarter than you. Go on. Okay, great. Perfect. So Tara breaks up with him, right? Right. Which she's allowed to do. They stayed in minimal contact, remember? This whole time they have stayed in contact. Yes. They still saw each other occasionally. They still talked and emailed and called. And so Tara took that as there was still some kind of relationship. According to the mother, Tara considers that to mean that they are still in some sort of relationship. Right. So then, three weeks before she goes missing, Marcus returns to Osceola, but doesn't tell her. Right. And then she loses her ever-loving shit about it. That really devastated her. She felt betrayed, and, and, and at that point I said, okay, look, he didn't want you to know he was back. And um, I remember saying to her, you know, now it's the time you move on. But 
she just could not quite get over Marcus. Can I say something about that? Yeah. This is the difference between men and women. I'm going to break it down for you right here. Okay. She broke up with him because of a very clear reason. He's away. That doesn't take away her emotions. That doesn't take away where her heart is. Her brain told her to break up with him. It, it, it was very clear that she broke up for because she wanted to get married. She maybe didn't want to leave a military life, but that doesn't mean that she still didn't harbor feelings for him. And so he very clearly took that breakup as a directive, broke up, cut off his emotions. And that's something that she wasn't able to do. So I totally understand that. Like he can separate those two things. Women have a little bit of a harder time separating their brain from their heart. Uh-huh. And men, in my experience, very easily can. So that didn't seem too crazy to me that she was upset that he didn't get in contact, that he said, no, 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 you broke up with me. So I moved on. I need you to stop sounding smart. <laughs> I need you to stop being better at this than me because I have a whole bunch of jokes that now I feel like I can't get. Okay, go. <laughs> Give me your jokes. So she goes over there, confronts him. He like says to her, like, no, it's really over. And then according to her friends and family, Tara gets back in her car and has a fucking emotional breakdown on the road. She called hysterically and just felt like she was not able to drive. And one person went and picked her up and the other passenger drove her car home. So they took her back to her house. And from what I understand, you know, they had to carry her in and she was just so, you know, hysterical. To which I just wrote, I mean, you're emotionally unhinged. Is this normal? (laughs) Yes. Patrick, you have had your heart broken and I have been there for it. I Do know. not pretend like I have not been there to pick up your emotional little gay boy pieces because I have. <laughs> I had my heart broken one time. I then met another guy and made him marry me like the following yeah, week. Yeah, <laughs> that's how you dealt with that. Okay? Yeah. I mean, I had my heart broken by the same guy over and over and over again for two decades. And yeah. then I was like, then I met another guy and made him marry me right away. Yeah. I mean, like, we're going to make a whole separate podcast about that. Anyway, thanks for derailing my whole section of jokes with your emotional maturity and intellect. Great. Thanks. It's a comedy podcast, Ellen. It's a comedy podcast. I want to hear your jokes. Give me your jokes. I thought we'd have a big old laugh about how two people had to go pick her up in the middle of the street and then carry her home. And then she has, like, my whole point is she broke up with him. And now, ladies and gentlemen, a typical man. There we go. Everyone stare at him. Live at the big top. Patrick becomes a man right in front of your eyes. And everyone is shocked for various reasons. Tara's fragile emotional state worries those closest to her. I I don't ever blame Christopher for anything, but I would like to blame ID for them saying, because of Tara's fragile emotional state. (laughs) And Christopher was like, I think that's a bit condescending. She's in an emotional place right now. Maybe we just t- no no she was she was crazy she's a crazy woman she's a crazy unhinged woman I just feel like we could be a little kinder consider her heart just say the lines Christopher Christopher say the lines makes me feel not nice I am in an irrational state about how mad that made me like is I punking us like is this a joke did they add that line for us. I- they were like, Patrick and Ellen will think this is hilarious. Add that line back in. I give up. I can't. I'm throwing, no. Girl, we're only on season two, episode two. It's going to be a long haul with you. I'm going into anger management classes and I'm sending the bill to Gary. I can't with him. In the meantime, investigators continue to gather information from Marcus Harper. In a series of interviews, 
he accounts for his time on the night Tara disappeared. He said that on Saturday night, he had, had gone to the White Horse Saloon in Fitzgerald, where he visited with some friends until approximately 2 in the morning. After that, Marcus says he met up with his friend and former partner on the Osceola Police Department and spent the night in a police cruiser doing a ride-along. I totally believe this alibi. Who would lie about going on a police ride-along? Oh, my God. I don't know. And then stupid dipshit Gary says... We were able to corroborate that as best it could be corroborated. The actual <laughs> definition of corroborate is to confirm and give support to a fucking statement. You know what? I need a break. I can't. I need to start smoking or something. Do you have a cigarette? I'm going to start smoking cigarettes. Look, you're funnier in this episode, but I wanted to make my last joke of this section, which is that a police ride-along sounds as terrible as camping, but it's not really as funny anymore. It is. You're always funny. You're always funny. The ocean is so vast. You're very... Look, you're so angry. It's great. (laughs) I'm so angry. I hate this guy. I hate this guy. I hated him from the jump. I hated him from four minutes in. I know. And then, you know me, once I have my mind made up, it's real hard to change it. Yeah. I can hold grudges for upwards of, of 10 years. I've done it, I'm sure. (laughs) For the moment, investigators' focus shifts away from Marcus Harper. Then, the business card found on Tara's front door provides a new lead. So, remember back in the beginning when we first learned about the latex glove, we also learned that there was a business card left in the front door? Right. So, we're getting more information about that, and we learned that the, the business card belonged to a police officer from another county. The police officer was married, and the police officer and Tara were, quote, very close, And guess what? When the cops come to investigate this, the fucking neighbor lets the police know, oh, he is a frequent visitor of Tara's house. I hate everybody. Leave the light on, neighbor. Stop looking at Tara's house. Right. Well, the thing about this is that, like, we learn that they, like, they question this married police officer about why he's frequently at Tara's house. And they also question his family, to which I was like, oh, I bet the wife was thrilled with this line of questioning. (laughs) Yeah. And you are not giving them your name. You do not give them your name. The thing is, is if he had anything to do with it, he wouldn't have gone down there and left a business card and door, you know. Four days pass after that, and they still have nothing. They followed all these leads. Everything checks out. Everybody's alibi checks out. They have nothing. So they organize a search all around the entire county. Dogs, helicopters, boats. I mean, this is amazing. Like, every time we see these in these episodes where, like, it's one person, and you see the helicopters and the dive teams and the the volunteers, and her sister is crying, saying, like, most of these people never even met Tara. They just wanted to help. And, like, we have to remember that people are good. We have to remember that people are good and do shit like this. Yeah, people are good, and I just, every time I see a video of that and I see the video of the searches I just look at the family I know what they must be going through not only because seeing all these people who to your point are good do care are helping me are are wading through water are you know uh-huh. at every turn at every moment what if they find something what if they find my daughter what if they find my son and, but then also like what if they don't you know yeah. what I mean like I know and they don't this, this this turns up nothing and GBI Gary who we hate is now saying like the only piece of solid evidence they have is this latex glove and he tells me he, t- he tells me yeah just he tells you. all of us but he's looking right at me forensic scientists put the glove through a battery of tests including one looking for the presence of dna it's a long shot because according to police it's very difficult to recover useful evidence from latex gloves if you process for fingerprints first it will destroy dna evidence if you process for dna evidence you may destroy or somehow cause problems with the fingerprint evidence. Ellen, what year is it? Yeah. <laughs> How is this the st- 
state of things? Yeah. How have we not figured this out? I, th- this is the problem they've been kicking down the, the road. They're like, we should really get to the bottom of how to actually test a glove for two things at once. <laughs> it's 2020, you fucking guys. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Let's master Facebook memories. Right. <laughs> you know, so you can look back at what you did last year and the year before that and the year before that. People love that. This could help solve actual crimes? Yeah, but this is fun. People need more fun. <laughs> I hate everybody today. But the good news is, actually, I guess the people, the forensics teams in Georgia are great because they are able to get a partial fingerprint and DNA evidence. They're able to say that it's a man, and so they go out and get DNA samples from essentially every man that she knew, to which I'm sure Gary was like, well, now, you know, Tara was a slut. So (laughs) she had multiple partners. I don't know how we're going to track all of them down. She had dozens of men. We're going to need a lot of swabs. Because this lady got around. She didn't tell anybody about it, but we know she got around. So how many do we need for this slut over here? I hate him so much. Because, listen, we know something bad happened, but irregardless, she's a whore. So we need a whore's worth of swaps. I hate him. Oh, he's so disgusting. (laughs) He's so gross. We do not think this about Tara We do not. But you're like his tone. You're so right about that. It's just condescending and disgusting. I I appreciate what they're doing for this family. I don't appreciate their tone. I don't (laughs) appreciate whatever. They test 144 (laughs) men. Agents collect the DNA of 144 men that had any contact with Tara, no matter how distant. Essentially, all you do is take a a swab of the inside of someone's cheek and submit that swab for comparison against the the question DNA. But the other thing, too, is that, like, we see the reenactments of them, like, swabbing all these extras. Which, can we stop saying swabbing? It's just a (laughs) gross word. But, like, we see them doing it to a whole bunch of actors. I actually made the note, like, you have to have a lot of confidence that your mouth isn't disgusting. Yeah, I know. To let somebody shoot your mouth from that angle. They are shooting these mouth actors from the bottom yeah and it is th- i don't want to see the inside of these people's mouths i don't want to see what that casting call said either I know. Just, no <laughs> bring your clean mouth yeah. down to <laughs> they tested 144 <laughs> men and there were no there was no dna match so this is something that we learned on tco covering the jambonet ramsey case because there was a little bit of trace dna found on the underwear that were found on jambonet ramsey and they weren't able to match that dna to anybody and he- dr henry lee who's another name you should know who did the forensics was saying to us that like that amount of DNA could come from the person who put the underwear in the package. So it didn't surprise me that they didn't find a match from basically anybody in this town because who is so stupid other than OJ to leave a fucking glove at the scene? And if you find like a trace amount of a male's DNA, that could be anybody's DNA on that glove. So that this did not surprise me. You know things. In the oxygen special, we find out that Tara had a dog and they say that she would often wear latex gloves to clean up the dog's So it could have been Tara's, it could have been her glove. That's so interesting. I have a fact to dispute that later when we do some follow-up stuff at the end. As time drags on and Tara isn't found, 
investigators face an unexpected new challenge. Turning our attention now to the case of that missing Georgia high school teacher, Tara Grinstead. The media gets a hold of this story. Obviously, it's like, you know, it's a hot story. It's a savory story. Um, but unfortunately, confidential details are leaked. That And the other thing we find out in this section, too, is that, like, citizens thinking they're doing a good thing, because remember, everybody in this town is obsessed with Tara. Right. They're setting up their own, like, tip. Yes. And they're not, not all the tips are making it to the police. And more than that, they say some of the tips went to a well-known bounty hunter. Yeah. I'm assuming that that's that dog, the bounty hunter guy. I don't know. I like that show. I think bounty hunting is really fascinating. <laughs> and okay. I'm... You'd be great at it, by the way. I would be amazing at you it. You would show up in Panama and, like, the girl would be like, yeah. I'm over here! They would see your boat plane landing from the sky and she'd be like, oh shit, Ellen's here. This shit is serious. Yeah. My mom really wants me back. Yeah. The point is that like tips are coming into these people and they're not making it to the cops, which is like, and, and this is what they're saying about like, we don't know what we're like, what information we're missing. It makes me insane to think about that. Three years go by without any meaningful leads. Then there is a bizarre development in the case. I just have to confess a few things. I'm sorry, do on YouTube because there's millions of people that can help play my game. Three years later, three years have gone by. Some fucking loser posts a video on the internet where he's obscuring his face and his voice and he's saying these insane things like I've decided to confess a few things he calls himself the catch me killer because what he's doing he's trying to he's saying that he committed 16 murders and he's gonna he's going on the internet to make videos to give clues about them and then he's saying like when you solve these 16 murders you'll know exactly who I am and Tara Grinstead is one of the cases he's alluding to having been the murderer of. Right. I honestly, like, this infuriated me so, so much. Like, I don't even want to spend time talking about this. Like, so he went into detail on this video. They launched an investigation. I mean, I, I, he is such a piece of shit. I was just like, you're not funny. You're not a puppet master. No. You're not novel. You're, it, it was so- Because he didn't do it. Like, that's the whole thing. They launch an investigation. It takes him 15 minutes to find him. His name is Andrew Scott Haley. And I just wrote, girl, who fucking hurt you? Yeah. He was a husband and a father. He was? Yeah, they say that. He's a worthless piece of shit. To get that family's hopes up that the crime was solved, not only that, but also wasting government resources and time is something oh, I- Oh, you know we have no shit for I, that on this podcast. I have no time for that because our government resources are limited. Yeah. The fact that he derailed the investigation the way that they did, I found a headline. He called himself the catch me killer. Did you say that? I can't remember. I'm in such a yeah. fury and rage. <laughs> I found a headline that says the catch me killer says he's guilty of a hoax not a crime no you son of a bitch right. you are guilty of a fucking crime you yeah. derailed the investigation like for all I, lock him up lock him up he gets 10 years but these he are like served these... two though I know. he only served two years fuck off I know I know oh, I know that made me so mad today the Grinstead case file is the Georgia Bureau of Investigation's biggest active case Finding Tara still hinges on making a DNA match to the latex glove found outside her home. In the meantime, Tara's family and friends continue to wait. Is she gone? Is she dead? When you just don't know any answers, you don't have a way of controlling your emotions. 
It's just, it's a horrible situation for anybody to have to go through. And it ends with the fact that the cops are basically left with nothing. And the family is like, is she gone or is she dead? Like, where is she? The sister says this thing where she says her having vanished is worse than death because death is final. And vanishing isn't final until you know what happened. Yeah, the closure. Uh, that That's what breaks my heart every time yeah. is the family's not getting closure. How do you sleep a full night's sleep ever again for the rest of your life knowing that they, there's no peace? So did you Google the episode? Yeah. Okay. So February 27th, 2017, um, a press conference from the GBI, very special, formally announced a tip that was received that led to the arrest of Ryan Alexander Duke for the murder of Tara. Right. Okay. Then we fast forward to March 3rd. An additional arrest was made. Okay. So don't get this confused um, with another former classmate of her by the name of Bo Dukes. Yeah. They are not related. Right. So there's Duke singular and there's Dukes plural. Duke had asked him to help dispose of her body. Right. And there's and so the whole reason for the oxygen episode was because like Payne Lindsay doesn't really believe that this went down the way that the cops have like said that it went down with these two guys. And I'll put the link in the show notes for the True Crime Obsessed episode where we cover all of this and like Payne Lindsay like fully investigates the truth about this story. Right. And the story, just so you know the story story that they're telling is Duke was robbing her in her home in search for money for drugs and they say that they burned her body yeah. in a pecan farm and they said um, they burned her uh, for two days and he said that there was no- nothing remained there, so there would be no evidence there would be nothing that they could go and find her now this is what Bo Dukes said yeah. that there will be no remains of Tara to be found anywhere Oh, say something funny um, I hate my dads, but I really love hamsters. <laughs> you guys, join our Facebook group. It is, girl, what's it called? Shut up! <laughs> Obsessive Disappeared Podcast Discussion Group. It is super fun. Actually, people make me legit laugh in there all the time. I they know. love roasting us. They made a quiz about us. They are just so funny. We're also on the Disappeared Pod on Instagram. Every Friday night, we go live at 6 o'clock where we talk about shit. We talk about the case that we just covered. Yeah. And we're also on Twitter. What's our Twitter? I think Twitter is Disappeared Pod. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> Do people use Twitter anymore? I have no idea. I just go there to be mad about politics. Totally. It's fine. You guys, if you're enjoying the show, will you take a minute to rate and review us on iTunes? Just write a one sentence like, I love it. I think they're adorable. Whatever it is. Or you can write you can write a dissertation if you want to. Totally. It bumps us up in the algorithm. It helps people find us. Share us with a friend. Tag us in your Instagram stories. We love interacting with you. We're trying to get the word out about the show. We want more people to find us. And we love you. I really love you guys. What a nice community of people we have. I hope they don't turn on us. I know. You guys were edited by Henry Lavoie. You can find all the episodes of Disappeared on ID Go. The first season is available for free. I think that's all I have to say right now. Yeah, let's stop talking. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We love you guys. Love you. Bye. If this were 30 Rock, there would be a flashback moment to seven-year-old Ellen starring as Sally Bowles in Cabaret. (laughs) Can you imagine? We see a video of Tara winning... Uh, what, I, uh, it was Miss Tipton. It, it, Tifton. Miss Tipton. I am Miss Tipton. I know. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess that's that's a, that's a prize for the Miss Peachy, Peachy Keen Jelly Bean, Peachy <laughs> Georgia. <laughs> Annie, get your tits out. I don't know. 
I hate my dad, but I love hamsters. <laughs> she's such a, she's, she's so serious. She's so serious. <laughs> like, I wish I had as much internal, like, obvious disdain for other people because daisy she just silently judges you she just looks at you like she feels so bad for you I know. like i just feel bad for you auntie ellen like what you're a you're a muppet i feel so bad for you wait can i just say one more thing before we move on and i yeah. don't even mean this as a joke you kind of really do look like prince right now <laughs> are you serious Really, are you serious? <laughs> Tell me the truth. Do I look like Prince? <laughs> I actually just need to know. No! Uh, I I have never seen you get so triggered so fast. And I've known you a long time through a lot of shit. <laughs> 